What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hello and welcome to episode 51, part 1 of the Asian Madness podcast. I hope all of you are doing well, getting enough sleep, enough food, staying indoors, avoiding people, living that glamorous introverted life. Trust me, I hate this as much as anybody on earth right now. Taiwan is not on lockdown, and in fact, things are going as it's always been, but the paranoia is there. Or rather, I am super paranoid. Okay, before I go on a bigger rant about coronavirus here, let me just say I am very happy to have you as my listeners, and you guys are the best. So, for today's case, I am going to take you all the way back in time to Beijing, China. But back then, it was known as Peking, not Beijing. While we're at it, here's something interesting about the city's name. You hear Beijing or Peking, but while they sound different, the city's name has always been the same in Chinese. Beijing, meaning northern capital, is how it's pronounced in Mandarin. But Peking was the way it was pronounced and spelled by foreigners back in the olden days. Peking was used first by foreigners, which stuck around, and afterwards it was officially changed to Beijing when the new pronunciation system was adopted. Although the city's English name was changed, a lot of other things continue on with the old name, Peking, such as the Peking Duck and the name of the university, Peking University. So basically in English, I will say Peking University, in Chinese we'll still pronounce it Beijing. Sorry if that was a little complicated, but I felt like it would be a good idea to point that out. Anywho, back to the case. Like I said, This case is definitely not a recent one. It's not super historical, but definitely way before any of us existed. It's old and it's still unsolved, so the odds of this case getting a resolution is pretty low. Like many other victims, this woman was seemingly mutilated and murdered for no reason. She was very young, she was minding her own business, but somehow somebody out there thought it was necessary to murder her. Some of the information from today's episode was collected from a book called A Death in Peking by Graham Shepard, a retired police officer from London. Another book was written years earlier called Midnight in Peking, 
by author Paul French. Interestingly enough, these two authors have complete different views on this case. So, it'll be interesting to see what you think. This is the murder of Pamela Werner. Let's begin. Before we discuss the victim, let me first introduce to you a man named Edward T.C. Werner. He was born in the year 1864 in New Zealand to British parents. During his schooling years, he was accepted into the Far Eastern Cadetship, where he began working with the British consulate in China. He arrived in the 1880s and started off in Peking, working as an interpreter. He moved around different locations in China, all the while learning and perfecting the Chinese language. After a few decades, Werner was eventually promoted to British Consul General in the city of Fuzhou. Then in the early 1910s, he did two things. First, he married his wife, Gladys Ravenshaw, in Hong Kong. Edward was around his late 40s at this time, and the marriage was an arranged marriage where Gladys traveled all the way from England to marry him. Secondly, he left his job at the British Consular Service and moved back to Peking. Werner devoted the rest of his life to Sinology, otherwise known as the study of the Chinese language, culture, history, and all that. He gave lectures in Peking University and was also a member of many unions and societies in the city. Edward, though seemingly intelligent, was also said to have been stubborn and a bit eccentric, to put it nicely. He was extremely old-fashioned, even for his time, and sometimes showed his temper in very strange ways, but more on that later. In the year 1919, the married couple adopted a girl that was around two years old at the time. They named her Pamela. Pamela Werner was said to have been born around January 26, 1917. She was taken in by the nuns at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception, and although no one really knew her exact heritage, her complexion and eye color indicated that her parents may have been of Russian descent. So Pamela had a pretty different life in comparison to many people she knew, especially during that time, growing up white in China, but speaking the language and basically doing everything like a local. Gladys, at the time, was being treated for her heart disease, but eventually developed influenza and meningitis, then she died in the year 1922. She was buried in the British Cemetery in Peking. Since then, Edward took over the role as primary caregiver and made sure that Pamela received a good education, learned Chinese, and just had a good life. Normal parenting things with a dash of overprotectiveness. Pamela did most of her schooling in Peking, but was sent to school in Tianjin, a city about 130 kilometers away, when she was around 15. She eventually matured into a young woman, but it was said that her mannerisms made her seem a lot younger, so even when she was actually 18 or 19, she came off more like a 15-year-old. Maybe it has to do with her upbringing, or it's just how she is. Either way, she got older and that brought some unwanted attention. For one thing, she stood out in China quite a lot. She was white young, well-liked, and quite beautiful. It was rumored that men were constantly trying to get her attention, both local Chinese men and foreigners, 
and this even included a teacher at her school. Hmm. A young Chinese classmate had tried courting Pamela, and this angered Edward so much he broke the man's nose. Clearly, her father was intensely protective of her. Towards the end of 1936, after Pamela finished school, Edward decided that it was best for Pamela to continue her studies back in England. Clearly, she wasn't even safe in school. Maybe he thought that if she stood out less, she would be safer? Pamela, though, didn't seem to be very excited about leaving. After all, she was raised there. It was the city that she called home, and all her friends were there. Why would she want to leave? Note that during this time, most expats living in Peking were either doctors, diplomats, professors, or something along those lines. The fancy ones usually lived in or around an area called the Legation Quarter, just next to Tiananmen Square. The community was safe, gave them a sense of America and Europe, and I would say they were probably a bit detached from the actual city and culture. Living in a quote-unquote foreigner community with their Chinese servants and fancy lifestyles. Things were so much more affordable in China, and it was easy to live a luxurious life. So when one of their own ended up dead, it was a big deal to the community. The day was January 7th, 1937, which was Christmas for the Russian Orthodox. She had a dentist appointment that morning, and afterwards, she returned home. In the afternoon, the servant working for the Werner family had asked Pamela if she needed anything, as they were headed out to do some grocery shopping. Pamela told them that no, that she did not need anything. She also mentioned that she had plans later in the afternoon, but that she would return at around 7.30pm for dinner. Pamela left her home at around 3.30 on her bicycle. That afternoon, she had plans to go to an ice skating rink with her friend, Ethel Gurevich. The two girls first met up at the Wagons Litz Hotel, then headed back to Ethel's home, where they had some tea and cake. They arrived at the ice skating rink at around 6 p.m., where they met up with another friend, Lillian Marinovsky. The evening went by as usual, just a regular hangout. At around 7.30 p.m., Pamela told her two friends that she needed to head home for dinner. Ethel and Lillian voiced their concerns about Pamela being out on the streets all by herself during nighttime. But for someone who grew up in the city and knew the place very well, she reassured them that she would be fine, that she was used to being alone, and that Peking was a safe place. Well, you guys kind of know what happens later. Pamela could have taken two different paths home. One is a safer but longer way home, the other would be a shortcut via the Fox Tower, which is next to a place known as the Badlands, where all the bars and brothels are located. In other words, less safe, quite sketch. Obviously, we know that Pamela never made it home for dinner. Her father was worried, but he decided to wait around. Maybe she lost track of time and was having fun with her friends. He eventually asked one of his servants to go to the ice skating rink at around 10 p.m. to see if Pamela was still there. She wasn't. He then went out himself at around 11 p.m. to check the neighborhood real quick, but he didn't see Pamela. Edward assumed she might have decided to stay at one of her friend's house for the night, and he would try to get in touch with her the following day. When he woke up on January 8th, 
The first thing he did was pay a visit to the Secretary of Delegation Quarter Commission to report his daughter missing. I guess he was very worried after all. Now, let's start off January 8th from another point of view. So, it's early morning on January 8th. A couple of local Chinese rickshaw pullers and a guy walking his bird are out near Fox Tower, which is a tower that pretty much divides the city into inner city and outer city of Peking. They suddenly see a pack of wild dogs up ahead, and curiosity probably got to them, so they got closer to see what was happening. There, lying in the ditch that ran along the fox tower, was an unrecognizable, severely mutilated body of a woman. The bird walker immediately ran to get the police. The main detective in charge of this case was Captain Han. When he first arrived at the scene along with British Consul Nicholas Fitzmaurice, he assumed that the woman may have been one of the many white Russians in the area who chose to end their lives due to their poor living conditions. Many Russian women worked in brothels and were not living a very happy or great life, so things like that happened from time to time. But after taking a closer look at the body, he realized that this one was not like the others. The wounds were extensive. The victim's face was so carved up, it was impossible to see what she looked like. Almost like somebody didn't want her to be recognized. This certainly did not scream suicide. Because this crime scene involved a foreigner, and the body was found just outside the legation quarter, Captain Han decided to ask the legation quarter's police commissioner, W.P. Thomas, for some ideas. First, they would have to find out who this woman was, and then find out what exactly happened to her. As the crowd grew, guess who just happens to walk by on their way home? Yes, Edward Werner. Imagine discovering your own daughter like that while you're just casually walking down the street. At first, Edward wasn't sure what he was seeing. He got closer to the crowd and asked someone if it was a Chinese case. He looked at the body in the ditch and recognized the woman's hair and clothing, or whatever was left of it. It was Pamela Werner. The condition in which she was discovered was quite awful, and in a way, it really reminded me of the Black Dahlia Elizabeth Short crime scene. Pamela's body was not fully clothed. Her stockings had been ripped. She had her shoes on. Her undergarments were still there but all her other clothing items were either gone or tossed around the crime scene. She still had her jewelry and her watch on her, but her skates and bicycle were nowhere to be found. She was later on taken to the Peking Union Medical College for an autopsy. Pamela suffered extensive injuries. Sources slightly differ when describing Pamela's injuries, but for simplicity's sake, I'll refer to the description from the book A Death in Peking. Some things that all sources seemed to confirm was that she suffered blows to the head or hit her head on a hard surface, which caused a brain hemorrhage and most likely was her cause of death. Prior to her death, she most likely struggled with her killer as there were minor injuries consistent with self-defense. Her body had suffered many slashes, most probably made with a knife and another sharp object. Her right arm was severed pretty badly almost dismembered. Her chest area was basically torn apart. Her heart, along with some other internal organs, were missing. 
and many of her ribs had been broken outwards, which is a lot more difficult to do than breaking them inwards. Her blood seemed to have been drained from her body, as there wasn't much blood found in her or at the crime scene. There were two surgical-like slits cut through her abdomen area. Her stomach was one of the few internal organs that had not been removed by the killer, although it was severed from the inside. Her stomach contents showed that she had Chinese food prior to her death. It was also likely that this was a sexually motivated murder, as her vagina had been stabbed multiple times with a knife, making it difficult to tell if she had been sexually assaulted. It was said that the cuts and injuries she suffered seemed to have all been made with the kind of precision from that of a surgeon, a doctor, a butcher, or someone who knows how to handle animals. I feel like this theory is used in many murder cases, like Elizabeth Short, and I really wonder how often this is true. Pamela's body had been chewed on by wild dogs, yes, but it was clear that the dogs were not the cause of all the extensive injuries. Also, animal marks look very different from knife wounds. It was determined that Pamela most likely died between 10pm and 2am. Now, what other things could we gather from the crime scene? For one thing, Pamela's jewelry and watch were not taken, which could indicate that this was not a robbery gone wrong. Sure, her bike and skates were gone, but it was likely that those objects had been left elsewhere. If she had been running for her life or was getting attacked, I doubt either her nor the bad guy would have been concerned with skates and a bike. Also, despite all the injuries she had suffered and having her heart literally ripped out, there was not much blood at the crime scene. This pretty much told investigators that Pamela was very likely killed, mutilated, and drained of her blood elsewhere, maybe somewhere indoors. Then, she was taken out and dumped in the ditch. The police believed the killer had maybe tried to dismember her, but found it to be too much work, which was why her arm was basically completely severed. It was way easier dumping a body in a ditch. If nobody was there to see you do it, that is. Also related to this one, it was probable that the killer had a vehicle. Carrying a body seems a bit tiring and risky, although not impossible. It was late, maybe no one was around to see someone dump a body, but the vehicle angle is something to consider. I mentioned earlier that Chinese food was found in her stomach, which definitely proves that Pamela had gone somewhere after leaving the skating rink. She did not eat at the skating rink, and the last thing her friend saw her eat was cookies and cake at Ethel's house. One more thing. The way Pamela was stabbed and cut open, the directness and proximity of it, made people think that this was a crime committed by someone that knew her personally. Someone with hate or vengeance. Maybe a jealous man, a scorned lover... Or someone who couldn't take no for an answer? Who could possibly have so much hatred and anger towards Pamela? I mentioned earlier that Pamela's vagina had been stabbed repeatedly, and while some sources cannot prove if she had been sexually assaulted, some believe she had been raped either before, during, or after her death. On the bright side, if I had to come up with one, 
Most of her injuries seem to have taken place after she died of a head injury. So, what now? Where do you even start? It's always interesting to see how police from different countries and different times worked on such cases, especially this case, which was definitely high-profile and very sensitive to the community. The British were very careful with the press and the investigation, as they were unwilling to paint themselves in a bad light. Since this case involved a foreigner, it was inevitable that the police would have to question the expat community, especially those in and around legation quarter. The problem was that many of these people were in high positions or had diplomatic immunity, meaning the Chinese police or government couldn't really touch them. These people could just flat out refuse to help. So this was when ex-Scotland Yard Detective Chief Inspector Richard Dennis was brought onto the team to work with Captain Han. This guy was the chief of police in the British concession in Tianjin. Dennis was supposedly not under the authority of any foreign consul, so this made it easier for him to assist in questioning foreigners. As the two investigators began working together, they made sure to hide the autopsy information and mutilation details from the press and the public, hoping that it could come in handy during the investigation. So, to start off the investigation, the two detectives questioned possible witnesses, Edward Werner, their servants, and all of Pamela's close friends, including the two friends who went ice skating with her. Their stories all matched up. The part where Ethel had tea with Pamela, then they all met up at the skating rink, then Pamela leaving on her own. A rickshaw puller who had been spotted near the crime scene was also questioned when he was seen cleaning blood off his seat. When asked, though, he said the blood was a result of a fight between a Russian and an American. We will revisit this part later, though, but let's assume that that was what happened. As for Edward Werner himself, well, during the investigation, Edward's very strange personality was revealed, and even the British minister at the time described him as morbidly suspicious, coupled with quarrelsome idiosyncrasies. That just means he was pretty weird and was more of an acquired taste. And not surprisingly, it was rumored that many people disliked him, especially those he had worked with over the years. The alleged reason for him leaving the British consul was because he had whipped someone with a horsewhip during an argument. It was supposedly done in self-defense, though, but honestly, it just didn't look good. Edward's overprotectiveness of Pamela was also brought up. Pamela was raised in Peking, but since Edward was tired of all these thirsty-ass boys in Peking trying to court her, he sent her to school in Tianjin. But while she was at school there, there was an incident where the headmaster basically hit on her, which is extremely icky. Pamela stayed with the Canadian missionary family during her years in Tianjin, and although she got along fairly well with the family, they did detect a hint of loneliness and sadness coming from Pamela. They admitted to investigators that Pamela was sweet, but it was pretty clear to them that she was not necessarily on great terms with her father. Edward Werner was asked if he had any suspects in mind, and he, at the time, said no. After talking to some more witnesses, something interesting came up. 
A hotel worker from the Chinese YMCA remembered that a young Western girl had been asking about room rates, and she even left with a pamphlet. He was later on shown a group photo, and he pointed at Pamela. Slightly odd, coming from a young woman who actually has a home in the nearby area. Investigators came up with two scenarios. First is that Pamela had a boyfriend back in Tianjin, someone her friends knew about, but had never met. Pamela had mentioned that this boy was planning on visiting her in Peking, so it was likely she was looking for a place for him to stay at. Another scenario was that Pamela wasn't interested in leaving Peking, so instead, she was looking at other options, possibly moving out for a bit into this hotel. Let's assume these two scenarios could be true. Whether she was seeing a boy or she was planning on moving out, based on what we already know, we can probably guess that her father would not have been super happy with either possibility. This is the part where some people suggest that maybe Edward killed Pamela after finding out and losing his temper. This theory was quickly ruled out, though, as there was no proof. Maybe if they knew about Pamela's mutilation and injuries, they wouldn't be so quick to make this assumption. Despite all these witnesses and questionings, they still had no solid leads. Then, things started rolling when a 63-year-old man was arrested by the police on suspicion for being involved in the case. They entered and raided his apartment, found bloodied clothing, sheets, and a bloodied knife. This man was initially known only as Pinfold, and he was extremely suspicious and mysterious. Some sources said he was British, some said he was Canadian, but it wasn't until later that his full name and background was finally revealed. His full name was Frederick Samuel Pinfold. He was born in a town in southern England, grew up very poor, and spent time in China, in Europe, and in Canada. He served in the military in many different countries as well. He eventually ended up back in China and was now working odd jobs as a security guard for random establishments. Police brought him in on January 12th for a little chat, but Pinfold refused to talk. A police officer and a rickshaw puller later claimed that Pinfold was there at the crime scene that early morning when Pamela was found, and it was later discovered that he hung around the brothels and bars in the area known as the Badlands, right next to Fox Tower where Pamela's body was found, specifically brothels at number 27 and 28. The police did not really get anything of value in the end, but they did end up with a few new names and other things worth looking into, things we will discuss later on. Pinfold was eventually released because there just wasn't enough to charge him. Before he was released, though, Pinfold told the police that he did not know Pamela, nor was he involved. By this point, the case had been ongoing for months. The police came up with some theories as to why this could have happened, and the theories are as follow. Someone tried to rob her but ended up killing her when she fought back. She was attacked by a sadist. She was murdered out of revenge. Kidnapped and murdered by an insane person. Met up with someone she knew, went to their house, and was murdered. Or it was a sexually motivated murder. All these theories to me sound very simplistic, but I guess it could have been the way things were conducted back then. In June of 1937, 
it was time for the British consul Nicholas Fitzmorris to continue the inquest for Pamela's case, despite not having much to go on. But probably because there wasn't much to go on, he ruled the case, quote, murder by person or persons unknown, end quote, which is basically a big no-duh. At around this time, tensions between China and Japan was growing even stronger, and World War II would eventually break out. While Pamela's case was still important and a big deal to the community, it started to grow cold. I hate to say it, but I assume the government and the police had other things to deal with. At this point, you might think that I'm just giving information that's not really leading anywhere. And to be honest, that's how it felt when I was researching this case. There were so many things going on with this case. And also because this was back in the 30s, I have to point out that the police probably did not do a very great job. I'm not criticizing them for who they are, but there were many factors involved. For one thing, this case was complicated. They had no leads or ideas as to who would want to kill a 19-year-old woman. Also, this kind of high-profile crime did not happen very often, and I wonder if the police even have much experience handling something like this. Well, people often died, of course, even murdered. But the sad truth was that Pamela, being a young white woman from a pretty prominent family, probably received much more attention and focus than any murdered local Chinese or poor immigrant. I mean, this kind of treatment is still seen today. Those with more money, higher status, more power, get more attention. And I hate to say this, but think of missing white woman syndrome. Obviously, Pamela's case deserves attention, but I just can't help but point out how differently people are treated everywhere. The press and the British and Chinese government were all very intent on solving this case. But sadly, they all had their own agenda. The Chinese were desperately hoping the perpetrator wouldn't be Chinese, while the British were trying to save their image. They did not want negative press for their country, which is understandable. Some thought the British police investigating the case deliberately let many non-Chinese suspects off the hook, which cannot really be proven either. As much as people wanted this case solved, no one wanted it solved more than Edward Werner. After seeing how this case was being handled, he made it his life mission to go on and search for the killer himself. He was not getting along with officials and accused them of gross incompetence. In part two, we will look at Edward Werner's theories, his accusations, the people he accused of murdering his daughter, and other possibilities. Although this case has not been solved, Hopefully, I'll be able to give you guys a better idea of who, what, where, when, why. And maybe you can come up with your own theories. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.